It's great to be with you. And this is um, unusual that I'm with you almost, I guess, the second time in about six weeks. But I wanted to lay some things into the life of the church that I thought were really important with respect to our progress. Now, those of you who know me are sitting there saying, it's him, but something's different. So, something's different. I know, don't know what it is. And I'm not going to wait until the end of the sermon for you to figure it out. I shaved. Now you feel better. Yeah. Um, I, I, I try to keep my beard together, but I, every once in a while you slip with your hands and I created a divot, you know, this big bald spot. So I had to reset my face and, and we're good now. In, in two weeks, it'll be back. It'll be back. But I wanted to come to uh, set some things in order with respect to your expectations uh, about who we are as a people. And um, I think it's important that you get all that we are as much as possible. Now, we're going to look at a passage today that helps to, to set the tone for what I think is really important to our progress. So turn with me over to the book of Acts, chapter 13. Book of Acts, chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3, Acts 1, excuse me, Acts 13, 1 through 3. Faith to move forward, sending your best is the message. Faith to move forward, sending your best. Acts 13, 1 through 3. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon who was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Verse 3. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Lord, help us as we study. The church in Jerusalem was pretty amazing. I mean, it, it was mama. The first church. Iconic. The greatest staff in the history of church. Peter, James, John, Thaddeus, Bartholomew, Thomas. Wow, that's their staff. And then the Holy Spirit, the experience of him falling in the book of Acts. That moment where they poured out into the streets and spoke in languages that people heard. And folks began to repent as a result of Peter's message. And miracles happening, people being being radically transformed who had been lame from either their mother's womb or as long as anybody can remember. Uh, the church in Jerusalem was an amazing congregation and probably unlike any that has ever existed. But the church at Antioch was equally stunning. We don't have all the history of how they came to be. We do know this, that Persecution happened in the church at Jerusalem that encouraged people to rehear what Jesus said about going into all the world. Meaning that people in Jerusalem were really excited about seeing the church in Jerusalem grow and the people who uh, were, had their heritage in, in Juda Judaism, them saved. I don't know that the disciples really heard as well as they should have the idea of going into all the world and preaching the gospel to all of creation. What they really heard was go into all of the Jewish world and preach the gospel to the Jewish part of creation because Jesus was a Jew. The people to whom he ministered were Jewish. 
Jesus was sent to the Jewish people. He said that time and again. So, in the disciples' minds, it would make sense that since Jews were all over the world, that the Jewish people who were now Christians would go and reach the Jewish people who weren't. And so that's kind of how they heard him talking about going into all the world. They didn't really think that the gospel was for us, we Gentiles. Gentiles are people who don't have a Jewish heritage. They didn't know that we could actually be a part. Now, I know that sounds strange because today, Christianity is primarily defined by our Gentile experience. And that now we're trying to intentionally go back and say, hey, dear Jewish people, he's yours first. We adopted him or he adopted us. We weren't naturally in this thing. He's yours. That's how effective the church at Antioch was. Not the church at Jerusalem. The church at Jerusalem began to experience some persecution in Acts chapter 8 and went on for a good period of time to such a degree that people from the church at Jerusalem reheard the idea of going rather than staying. Oh, what was that that Jesus said about leaving? I think now is a good time. And he went, they went to Samaria, they went different places, and it says over in Acts 8 through 12 that some of them went up to Antioch. And they began to minister to people there. Well, the church in Antioch was a church that, that was birthed in the Gentile world, though there were Jews there. And things were different. You had different kind of believers, yet the same kind of belief system. And so you had Simeon, a man who was also called Niger. Now we believe this guy Simeon probably was the same guy that the Romans conscripted when Jesus was carrying his cross and it got too heavy for him. And a man named Simeon or Simon came and helped him. And we think that that guy was a part of the church in Jerusalem that may have left when persecution came and went up to Antioch. But we know this, that he was called Niger. Now, Niger means black. <laughs> did, did I make you uncomfortable? So literally, they called Niger without it being in any way a pejorative. What's up, black man? displaying the diversity that was in this church that probably was not in Jerusalem. Why? Because they were reaching people that weren't indigenously Jewish. A guy from Cyrene who was in northern Africa. You had Paul and Barnabas that were Jews. You had a guy named Lucius. Now, just about every place I go, if a fellow's named Lucius, he's probably black. I'm just saying, if you hear a woman named LaFonda... I'm just saying. And I'm not trying to do anything but to, to amplify what the scriptures already con convey. That this was a diverse group of people in leadership. And they were all together in harmony. This is what we are trying to build. We love Jerusalem in the pattern. That's where we get a whole lot of good doctrine and practice. Our understanding of how the early church ought to be. Fellowshipping together day by day, listening to the apostles teaching in prayer and, 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 and breaking bread and, 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 and giving to one another as anyone might have need. We understand how church works from the church at Jerusalem. But we understand how church is to expand from the church at Antioch. And this is the pattern by which we get our idea of what the church ought to look like with us. Now, please don't understand that my emphasis today on this passage doesn't mean that all the churches have to follow this. Because generally speaking, when you go to Korea, you're going to reach Koreans. 
There are very few places in the world that are like America. Uh, Not just a melting pot, though there is cultural assimilation that happens by everybody at all times. Don't be mad about that. Everybody's assimilating some kind of culture into your world, yet there is a distinctiveness about American uh, 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 way of life that makes us a mosaic, not just a melting pot. That we add to one another's cultures, yet we are distinct in who we are, and we are proud of that. And you don't have to apologize for that, because it it adds value to everybody else when you begin to really embrace your own. Rather than it separating us, it should add to us. In America, the church, I think, probably ought to look a whole lot like what we see in, in the book of Acts and Antioch. Yet, because the church itself happens to be community-oriented rather than city-oriented, you'll have churches, congregations in different sections of the city. So if you go down to southeast, generally speaking, you're going to see mostly an African-American congregation. You come out here, you'll find mostly Caucasian, unless somebody decides to do something different and cry out to God that he might establish a church that looks like heaven. This is our anniversary month. When I came here in 1982, I said, God, if you ever give me an opportunity to to pastor a church, please don't, don't let it look like me. I want it to look a whole lot like what's in glory. Somehow or another, we have to fashion our presentation. We have to fashion our outreach to where people, when they come into the place, they see a black man ministering, but they hear diversity. They hear something different where a white person can come into a congregation where a black man is speaking and say, that man can be my pastor. Don't have to be, but could be. That Latinos and Koreans, we could all benefit from one another in this process and no longer begin to say, well, I'm of Apollos or I'm of Paul. And beauty, the beauty about Paul, oh, so many things. I mean, you, you could take 50 sermons and not bring enough adulation to Paul to give, it, give him the proper credit. But here's a man who birthed Corinth, the Corinthian church. And after he left, a guy named Apollos came in and began to preach, teach. Great man, great man. And he began to have influence in the church. Now, most people who would birth something would think, well, who are you? You coming in behind me? You, you, you better acknowledge me. Paul wasn't threatened at all. Threatened would be this. I birthed you. Let Apollo submit to me, and then I'll test his doctrine to find out whether this thing is right or not. Inclusion says this. Paul says, you all say, I'm of Apollo, I'm of Paul. He says, you can have all of us if you want. You don't have to choose. The benefit is that because Apollos does something I don't or does something I didn't, I came, I sowed. I came, I planted. He came, he watered. The benefit is that God gets the increase. And, and all of you, if you will, rather than choosing sides, actually get both of us. And you get a greater benefit than just if you had one. The adding of our cultures together produces something we can never do on our own. Antioch was special, diverse. And it was diverse not only in its ethnicity, but it was diverse in its gifting. 
Paul was an apostle. Barnabas was a prophet. And they traveled together to birth churches all over the place. This is the place from which the church as we know it in the Gentile world became to be. Everybody in Jerusalem pretty much, again, reached out to the Jewish population wherever they were. But Paul intentionally had this revelation from God, went up to glory. I'm not quite sure how it happened. He doesn't even describe it with, en with enough detail to let us know. But he says in 2 Corinthians 12, I know a man, whether in the body or out of the body, went up to heaven and saw things he, he can't even talk about. So amazing were they. But I think that's probably where he got the insight regarding how the Gentiles need to be grafted in and not considered second-class citizens. As a result, he went to Jerusalem and submitted his doctrine to the, to the, the, the apostles. <clears throat> they couldn't refute it, though they didn't endorse it. It's not like they said, yes, we will do this. They just said, sounds right. Okay, just go out and do the things that are important. Don't forget about the poor. But nobody went after him to say, can we join you in this? They just let him do it. And as a result, he wound up in Antioch through Barnabas taking him there. Barnabas realized what was happening in Antioch. Barnabas was one of those guys that went from Jerusalem to Antioch during the persecution. And he saw what was happening in Antioch and he said, I know a guy. I know a guy, this guy, Paul, he saw, by that time he saw, I, he needs to be here because he could help us. And he goes and finds Saul and Saul says, finally home, home, someplace that is living what I know to be true. And from that, anybody ever make sourdough bread? Okay, all you women who know what sourdough is, yeah. what you do is you take something from somebody else who has a little bit of something, the recipe, and then you put it in the dough that you're creating and you, you let it begin to leaven the entire lump. And then you save a little bit for your next batch. Same thing that happened here in Antioch. It took a little bit of the recipe they had there in Antioch and took it to Corinth, took it to Ephesus, took it to Philippi, took it to Galatia. And Antioch was birthed all over the place until it came to Sterling. That's what we do. Now, everybody likes the concept of what we're trying to produce. Nobody wants to refute it. It's hard to do. It's not easy to try to produce this. It takes time. You grow a little, a little bit slower than you normally would because you've got the cross currents of culture doing this all the time and people's expectations aren't always met the way they want, so it takes more time. But the fruit is really sound. It has depth, and for that I'm grateful. Everybody enjoys it. But very few ever want to, want to produce it. So I was telling uh, my congregation the other day, or, or the, your brothers and sisters over in Chantilly, I said, please understand, um, all this is good that I'm saying, and all of you are amening. Yes, yes, this is great. This is what we want. It's Bible. We're producing what the scriptures say. Good job. I'm glad I'm a part of this. Um, do you know that I'm not from here? Yeah, yeah, you, you told us you're from Kansas all the time. I get it. I get it. I get it. So you're the recipient of somebody sending somebody. You enjoy the atmosphere because somebody was sent. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, what about if we send somebody from you that you really like? 
Wait, 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 wait. So we had a moment a few weeks ago where some of the most beloved pastors in our church, Pastor Danella Sean Perkins, where are you? Where are you? Stand up. <laughs> yeah, we, I, I preached this message, and I said, we're, we love to sin. We plant churches, and we do. We just planted Paul uh, um, uh, Harris in Charlottesville, Virginia, with his wife, uh, and, and, and uh, Taylor, thank you. My brain isn't working this morning. Paul and Taylor in, in Charlottesville, and they're going great. And, and two, two years ago, we planted Daryl Morrison in Phoenix, and, and five years ago, we planted Dehan Lee in, in L.A., and this is what we do. We take a little bit of the lump, and put it someplace else. And everybody was excited as I was talking about this a few weeks ago. And I said, by the way, the next lump we're sending out is Pastor Danelle Perkins. Crickets. (laughs) Crickets. Crickets. And one person in the service said, no! I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. There was no clapping. There was no rejoicing. It was one of the, and and, you know, five seconds of silence in a room like this is long. So I said that. They came up. They were walking. And you heard this, 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 this uh, short clap, slow clap. And then people reluctantly stood. (laughs) Oh, it's a great idea when you're the recipient of ascending. It's a really bad idea when you have to give the person away. Somebody you love, somebody you care for, somebody you hold dear, somebody who's cared for you, you've identified with, everything about your life has revolved around this new beginning. Hard. But it wasn't just that a church was diverse. It was they were devoted. And it says that they were seeking the Lord. And as a result of seeking God in these areas, you're going to hear things that many people don't. We hear about planting differently than other congregations. It doesn't make us any better. We have our own flaws, but this is what we do. We plant. We send. Why? Because there's a people who need a little bit of Antioch someplace that don't have it. And everything about Christianity is counterintuitive. Coming to church generally for for the American public, is about receiving. It's really not about giving. Everything about Christianity is give your life away, give the thing that is most important to you away. When you do it, watch how I will provide for you in the end. Whenever we empty ourselves, we're creating room for for, for him to refill. But as long as we hold on, we're crowding out the, the replenishment aspect of God's provision for us. And so they were seeking God. And as a result of their seeking, they heard some things, set apart some people for me. And Paul and Barnabas were that team. I don't know that Paul and Barnabas ever thought that they would ever be sent because, listen to me, that had never been done before. Nobody had been sent from Jerusalem. People left. And I'm not saying they left bad. They left scared. <laughs> I mean, people were being thrown in jail and killed. They left scared. Left nonetheless. But nobody was sent. There wasn't an intentionality of saying, go. 
At least not at this point. They did later, but not at this point. Here we see in Antioch, as they were seeking God, the Lord said, this is the recipe for the world. Set apart from me these two guys to do what I have called them to do by replicating what you have here every place else. I got to reach these Gentiles. They don't know anything about me. And they deployed. As a result of their devotion, they deployed. And it was hard. Can you imagine Saul on your staff? The dude who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Most of our most proper doctrine. Stuff that was so heady that even the leader of the known church, Peter, said, don't get it. Don't get it. His sayings are hard. I don't even understand what he's saying most of the time. So intellectually stimulating was Saul, that mo- changed his name to Paul, that most people didn't understand. And we are still trying to figure it out. He was a local elder. Dude, you need to stay here. You are the last person that needs to leave. We need you to sit down and write, write a letter to us. <laughs> let's, let's have an Antioch letter. Just do that. Please, don't leave. And then Barnabas, you're the prophet here. We need your voice. We need to know what God is saying. You're you're the, thus says the Lord for us. I mean, other people can say it, but nobody has the credibility or the relationship like you do. And you two together? Wow, what a revelatory team. God, you want us to send them? Okay, we'll be happy. (laughs) Crickets. Crickets. And we as a people believe in sending our best. Sending people that we need to stay. Because it's really important for them to be other places where people need them to stay. And you all have the privilege now of sending somebody really important to your progress. Now I've laid a pretty good on-ramp for you but you're still not going to like what I have to say. (laughs) David and Megan Hermes are going to Denver. Crickets. (laughs) Come on up. Listen, college student, janitor, I'm going through the progression now, college student, well, first of all, our tone deaf sound man, (laughs) I'm not exaggerating, tone deaf sound man from the age of like 13, through school, student at George Mason, janitor, caring for our facility, campus minister, someplace in there, a very bad executive assistant to me, someplace in there. Worst. (laughs) A A fabulous minister at George Mason, started something from nothing, in three years had 120 kids. Sent here to help birth you. Loyal, 
honorable, trustworthy, anointed, charactered. Came to me in July and said, Pastor, we love you. We love this house, but I think God's calling us out. I think he's calling us to Denver. I said, I don't think so. <laughs> I said, you kidding me? Really? I mean, I, really? Because I'm in the process. We're going through a transition in our whole church whereby I am transferring so much responsibility to the next generation in about two years. It's been a seven-year succession plan, and we're in year five. And they were like really instrumental to my idea about what the architecture looked like. Like right in the middle of it. They were really important. And I said, well, hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah, this is good. This is good, God. This is good. And um, it's really hard for them because they love you. And it's hard for you because you love them. Now, they are not going tomorrow. We don't know when they're going, but it's not going to be for anywhere between six and, six and nine months. They're, not le- they're staying here at least through next summer. We're not quite sure how long it's going to be, but a lot of it depends on how we can backfill whatever they're doing. And the people that we backfill with here, what it means for us in Chantilly, because we're taking people from there to help here. And so all those things, and you getting to know people, are instrumental to the win but everybody, repeat after me. They are not leaving tomorrow. Very good. Okay. I know it doesn't dampen the, doesn't help with the pain, but at least you know they're going to preach to you next week. But we are privileged to be able to send them because you always want to send your best. You don't want to, you don't want to send folks that you wish weren't with you. That's a good riddance. That's a good riddance. That's not a good bye. That's a good riddance. This is a really good bye. 